We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We got some. We got some good questions. Uh, I think Nathan Milton has kidnapped John A. One, and I know taking his mantle for uh, getting questions in. So we're Brian. We're- I was here. At, I, I got in originally just to check. It was like eleven fifty-five, and Nathan already had like six questions in or something. And I had just wild. published the show at that point in time. <laughs> so I think he was like hitting refresh on his notifications, like waiting on us to go so he could get in there. So we're going to reward him for that early earliness, right? Yes, uh, and uh, kick things off with with Nathan. With Nathan. Nathan's question is to start us off here today. What are the Marcus Freeman year one mistakes and successes? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I think let's start with the mistakes since that's what he asked first, uh, Ryan. I think the first one, and we've talked about this a lot in the past, is there was a lot of, um, you know, letting coaches have a little bit too much authority early on. And, and I think the mistake came from the the aspect of Marcus Freeman, like a lot of first-time young coaches, sort of handled his assistants like he wanted to be handled. It's totally fair. But not all assistant coaches are you. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And 
And, and, and especially when you're taking over as a year one coach, you have to set the tone more, the agenda more, the standard more, especially when you had a lot of newer coaches on your staff. And, and I, and I think that that was kind of, um, that was kind of one of those things that I thought was a bit of a mistake. I would have liked for him to, I've always lived by this mantra, Ryan, as a coach. And I mean, I'm sure I'd be that way as a parent, but you know, start strict and then loosen up as they earn that privilege and earn that right. It's the same thing with coaches, right? Like, this is the standard. I'm going to hold you to this. I'm going to be kind of on you early on. I'm going to be on you during spring ball. I'm going to be on you during summer. But as we get into the season and you prove that your group is out there doing what it needs to do and practice in the classroom, on the field, then we're good to go, right? And then I'm, I'm going to trust you to earn it. But it's like trust needs to be earned in that regard. Yep. And I think that was a bit of a mistake. And I think he's kind of, to a degree, you know, done a better job there. I still think there's a little bit too much of the – Still a little bit too much of that, especially in recruiting and roster management. But, you know, I, I do think he's at least said, hey, this is the expectations a little bit more. I, I think that was one thing. I, I, You know, some of the mistakes, I don't think all the things that, that plagued last year's team were necessarily on him. I think the manner in which Tommy Reese was promoted by Jack Swarbrick created a, a strange dynamic. And some of the the stuff that was discussed about how Tommy has complete autonomy that was dropped behind the scenes, like that was so irresponsible. Even if it was 100% true, it doesn't matter. It was irresponsible that it was dropped that way and le- leaked that way because it basically just undercut Marcus Freeman from day one when it came to the offense. So I can't really fault Marcus Freeman for that. You know, what, are you, what are you going to do in that situation when the athletic director, your boss – hires a guy to do a job that you you probably would have hired him to do anyway, sure. gives him a big salary, and then you have leakers in the athletic department talking about, you know, he has the autonomy, and, and if it and if it was the deal, if if Tommy didn't stay, they weren't going to hire Marcus, which is just absolute absurdity. That just – I mean, that's the stuff that ticked me off. I don't know what he could do about that. So that was a problem last year, but I don't think that was a mistake by Marcus Freeman per se. Yeah. So I think those are those are different aspects of it. And and I think I wouldn't call them mistakes, but I think one of the issues is his evolution as a coach, just getting used to, okay, I've got to handle things this way. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. How do I react to this? Ryan, you can prepare your I'll, I'll use you. You're about to have another baby. Yep. You could prepare yourself as much as you could when Juliet was coming along. At the end of the day, until she got here, you didn't know what you didn't know. You know what I mean? And you learn, okay, this is how it needs to be done. And so I'm going to adjust, I'm going to adapt, and I'm going to do, you know, that's part of the evolution of being a coach. And you can prepare yourself as much as you want. And every coach has got like their binder of the when they're, when I'm a head coach, I'm doing this. Every coach has that, right? But until you're in that seat and in that chair and, and, and on that platform, it's all a theory. Okay, what happens yes. the first time we get punched in the mouth? Here's what I'm going to do. How do I handle this situation? How do I handle that situation? So I think those are all parts of just learning that I don't think have a lot to do with mistakes. They're just part of the growing up process, so to speak, as a coach. And uh, that's, that's, go, go ahead, Ryan. I was just going to say, especially when it's your first time ever doing the job, right? Like it's not like even that he's just in a new situation. He's a new head coach of a different football team. Because I, th- I think that is a decent example, Brian, because like – I. Uh, my wife would hate me for saying this, but my wife was very 
I'm going to read the baby books. And I was very much like, I'm going to learn on the job because I think that that's how you do that stuff. Right. And I I think that no matter to your point, no matter how much you read, no matter how much you think that you're prepared until an issue arises, you really don't know how to handle it. Like it's just Mm -hmm. a situation where you live and you learn. And the great thing is that Marcus Freeman has now learned from some mistakes and think he's gonna be better for it man like i really do i I think that that's on ultimately how we're judged and how we're critiqued is basically how we fight through adversity like i really do i think that that is kind of the image of character and one thing that i think that whether it's a recruit or it's a current player or a parent out there they talk a lot about the character that coach Freeman brings to the table right the Mm -hmm. personality the person that he is well Fighting through that adversity and being an example for your players of how to fight through the tough parts of the day, I think that that's very important. I really do. Yeah. So I actually think it's, I think it's both of these questions all in one, Nathan. I really think it is. There was a learning process, and there was some stumbling across, across along the way. But then on the other side, it's he's learned from a couple of his mistakes, and I think that he is now understands like I need more autonomy over my team. I mm-hmm. need to set the standard a little bit more. And I think year two is going to be a lot more succinct and absolute compared to year one. Cause I think he has learned those lessons to your point, Brian. Like I think that that matters a lot. And, and, and we started to already see it last year. Right. And now here's the mistake that a coach can make that I don't think Marcus Freeman has done is you can overcorrect hey, I was this way, so now I'm going to be up my coaches, you know what's, and looking at every little thing that they do. No, they're still professionals. You still hired them for a reason. There are certain things you need to trust that they're going to do. There just needs to be more of a, this is the direction, this is the way, this is how I want it done. And that's partly why he made the coaching hires that he made, Ryan, is I don't need to convince Jared Parker of what my way looks like and the need to follow what I'm trying to do. I already know he's doing that. That's why I'm promoting him after the whole Andy Ludwig thing, you know, happened. That's why he brought in certain guys that he knows. Joe Rudolph, for example, is a guy that he knows. Gino Gadulli is a guy that he knows. Gino Gadulli does not have to be, have a month of time being spent on what Marcus Freeman believes in. He knows it. They coached together for years at Cincinnati. He knows what Marcus Freeman's all about and vice versa. And I think those are adjustments that he made that should help the process a little bit. Some of the successes are, Ryan, I think overcoming those early season struggles and issues and mistakes, uh, being willing to step in and say, hey, look, you're not going to conduct yourself this way and get away with it. You know, there's accountability here. I think there there were players that were not, were not going to be back even if they wanted to come back. Younger players, older players, that that was more of a you didn't buy in and if you're not going to buy in, I don't care how talented you are. I don't want you here. Yep. I think that was important, very important. And and so I think there's a lot of things like that that I view as successes because he's still in the process of building a culture, and the culture still has to be the thing that is going to carry you at the end of the day. Scheme and all those things are important. That's all sort of part of the culture, but it's who, who, what's our – and what does culture ultimately mean, Ryan, in this context? It's what is your DNA as a program? That's what your culture is. Are we – are we hard workers or are we loud talkers, right. right? We talk the talk, we do the cool videos, but really we're not putting in that work. We're not about that life. Are we really tough kids that are in a tough team that when we get punched in the mouth, we handle it like grownups or do we bicker and point fingers and, you know, players blaming coaches, coaches blaming players, players bl- blaming players, all of that stuff. 
Are we going to be that or not? Uh, are we going to be the guys that do the extra work? Or are we only going to bust our butts when Coach Bayless tells us to bust our butts? Or am I busting my butt for that hour, but then I'm going to grab a bite to eat, get some good rest, and then I'm coming back to the gym, I'm getting that jugs machine out, and I'm catching 2,000 balls today, right? Or, hey, I did the work that I was asked to do today, right? Those are the things. That's culture. So culture isn't like this is the music we listen to in the locker room and you know, this is the gear that we wear. That that's a different term of it. As a football culture, it's about what's your DNA, what's your I guess I think character might be a better word, Ryan. What's your football character? Right. And 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 I think those are things that he's still building. And we saw progress in the spring. Well, we saw progress late last season. We saw progress this spring. And I think those are all parts of the successes that we've seen from this football team. And I think those are the things that I focus on. And, and that's the stuff that I look at, you know, that, that, Hey, he has won some of the battles he needed to win in order to get players here that are going to help this football team to get a Sam Hartman, to get a Javante Jean Baptiste. Uh, we know the guys that Notre Dame was looking at when it came to that defensive lineman. I think they made the right choice. There were some other guys more proven and more productive, but this was one that fit what they were looking for a little bit better. And I mean, that that that's that can be a risky decision where, hey, we're going to turn this kid down from this other school that's put up a lot of better numbers. We're going to take this kid over here because we think he fits what we're trying to do. But we also are projecting that he's going to play be more effective here. You know, going out and getting a Thomas Harper, getting an Antonio Carter. And then and the thing that I mean, we heard it from Antonio's own, own mouth, right? Look, they got on me a little bit late. Like it was almost kind of too late. Yeah. But for this staff to be able to go out there and, and, and put in the work in a very short period of time to get this kid into the class. I mean, they didn't get on him till early May, and it took about a week for Notre Dame to get him into the class. LSU's calling, Florida's calling, Ole Miss is calling, all these teams are calling, and they went out and got it done. So th- that's a that's a success too. Talent acquisition has still been a huge success over for Marcus Freeman. If you simply look at what they've added and take away what they missed on, right? right? Yes, they missed on some big guys, but if you just look at the talent added, the talent they have added a lot of talent to this roster in the last 12 months. When you look at the players that they signed in the 2023 class, which a lot of them are already making an impact, Ryan. I mean, I still think that part of the reason Lorenzo Styles is gone, part of it, it's not all of it. Trust me. There's a lot of reasons why Lorenzo Styles is gone. Part of it is because Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse were just like, I'm better than you. And I'm going to go on show it every single day. Then also the transfer, Sam Hartman, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Thomas Harper, uh, Antonio Carter, the kicker, the punter, you know, guys like that. Those are all important pickups. And this team is going to have a lot more talent, in my opinion. And I think those are some of the big successes that we've seen. Now we've got to see if he can put it all together and get everybody going in the right direction for an entire season. Because last year they got everybody going in the right direction for half a year, but it took three losses to get there. Can they do it this year from day one? That's something that we're going to have to find out about coach Freeman and and, and the staff, but it really, at the end of the day, it's, it's about him because he's the one setting the, setting the tone. Well, and I I think the jury's still out a little bit on a couple of the coaching hires, but I will say this, Brian, I do think that coach Freeman has prioritized teachers as far as guys that he's bringing in, which is, I think, I think was needed, right? Like guys that just not as much about the scheme, more about, 
hey, we need to make sure our guys are technically sound, the Chancey Stuckies of the world, the Dylan McCullers of the world. I think that that's re- I think that was really needed, and I hope that we see a big jump, obviously, in year two with some of those guys. I'm going to make another statement along your lines too, Ryan. And I'm okay. this is not a criticism of coaches that are gone because there's ty- all types of different ways to be a successful coach. And, and so this isn't saying what's better this way because the other way is bad. Because right. to be honest with you, I was kind of like those other coaches that are that are gone and far, as far as how I was in practice, and regrettably so, to be completely honest with you. I wish I had more maturity or more experience in that regard when I was younger. But not that Coach Freeman didn't respect Coach Heastan or Tommy Reese as far as they how they were coaches. But when they chose to leave, because they both chose to leave, they weren't fired, they weren't pushed out, they chose to leave. I do think Coach Freeman put an emphasis on, I want guys that are demanding, but I want guys that are more demanding in my way. Which is, look, I mean, look, anyone that's been at Notre Dame's practice, or, or, or especially people that have talked to people that are practices when the media's not there, Marcus Freeman's an intense dude at practice. Yes. But there's, a, there's different ways to be intense. And I think he wants guys that are more, uh, like you said, teachers, Right, yep. that that are going to engage in players a little bit differently than the way that a coach Heastan or a coach Reese engaged with them, which was a you know language and just really in your face. Again, that's not wrong. It's not Freeman's way is better. That way is wrong. It's just more of this is who I am, and I need coaches that are kind of that way because that's the kind of culture that I want to have. Sure. And and so again, it's not wrong. It's not, but I think it's important to make sure that your coaches are doing things the way that you want them done and the way that you believe in. And and I think that he added that. I think Joe Rudolph has a very different temperament than Harry Heastan that fits more of what Marcus Freeman wants. It's not better than what Coach Heastan did. It's not worse than what Coach Heastan did. It's just different. Sure. And and that's the emphasis. Gino Gadulli is very different in how he engages with players in practice than Tommy Reese. I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's worse. These are not meant to be shots out the door at coaches that are gone that I wouldn't have criticized when they were here. It's just different. And it that that different fits more of what Marcus Freeman wants. And I think that's important too, is it's not just about teachers and scheme and all that, but are they teaching? Are they engaging the way that I want it done? And that shows me a level of maturity as a young coach that maybe I didn't expect them to, to find out after one year. Sure. Usually it takes you a while to figure that out. And I think part of that is um, part of that, honestly, uh, Ryan is I, I think it was uh, fortunate that certain guys left fortunate in, in from an opportunity standpoint, not fortunate that Harry Heastan left. I'm not, trust me, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, my thoughts on coach Heastan yep. fortunate, meaning, from a, like the opportunity arose that allowed him to do that. Um, and I think that's kind of something as well that, that I look at and say, the, these are the successes and see some of the mistakes that coach Freeman made. But I'll say this, Ryan, I feel that if you look at where we were a year ago and where we are now, I'm a lot more confident that I know who Marcus Freeman is as a coach. Right. And I know his strengths, and I know the areas he needs to improve. Where last year was all just a, here's what I hope he does. Guess, and a guessing game. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think that's partly why I'm so much more confident in this football team than maybe a lot of outsiders are of Notre Dame. Because I have a greater respect for the talent on this roster, and I feel like 
the the coaching change that we've seen have sort of allowed Marcus Freeman to better uh, get it to his way because you don't have the OC that was not really your hire and had all that other stuff. Again, not a shot at Tom Reese. That wasn't Tom Reese's fault. What's he supposed to say? It's not Tom Reese's fault to do that the right way. It was Jack Swarbrick's yep. problem. He could have said, hey, Tommy, you're going to be the guy, blah, 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 but we're not going to announce it until after Coach Freeman is hired. Right. Here's your contract. It's signed. You know, we're, we're good to go, but we're not going to announce this until after, you know, tell the players that you come, that you plan on coming back or whatever. But like, we're not going to do all the things that we did until Coach Freeman's hired or whatever the case may be. That's not Tom Reese's fault. But the reality is now you've got a staff that's much more has Marcus Freeman's DNA on it. And I think that's important. Very Agreed. important.